0: Sunday marks one year since, or I guess it's like close to one year. We've done we've done these for a year now of having a family communion Sunday, where we all meet together for one service, and then we uh, spread out into each other's homes or here at Mosaic to finish communion. And that's kind of been our our thinking. Last year, about this time, I really began to get the sense that God's word over our f- community. For 2022 was that word communion, but not just any kind of communion. I really sensed the word was sweet communion, a sense of fellowship, of really caring for each other's souls and 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 uh, restoring a little bit of kindness and gentleness to uh, conversation. Not not that we were having a problem with it here, but you know the world, <laughs> the whole world. And um, so somewhere somebody has to start being nice to each other again. And so why not here? When you guys have just done such a beautiful job of that, and so over the last year, I feel like maybe more than most words that we've taken on for the year, you have owned this one, and I I told the team as we were praying for this service before it started, that I felt like we sort of broke the barrier between church and home this year. Um, There's been a couple of weekends (laughs) where you guys maybe overdid it, or am i right gordon am i right it's like, a, it's like <laughs> there was like there were people meeting in everybody's homes everywhere it was almost like a progressive thing <laughs> and uh, just beautifully done though you 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 get it and 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 that's the thing so I am I am so thankful to those of you who have opened your homes today to complete communion, and I am thankful to those of you who are organizing something here for folks who are more comfortable being here. Um, we just want we just want to know each other beyond sitting in chairs together, and um, I'd really like this to be the place where. Um, when when people leave, if, you know, when people leave, you notice, and when people come, you notice, and you know people's names, and um, I, I know that we're, we're in two different services, but even within those two services, there's an opportunity to do just that, to know people's names, and, and even to, you know, make that huge leap to making the people who you worship with the people you also are friends with. Isn't that a great thought? Isn't that a great thought? So, so we begin communion at the table here at Mosaic and we finish it at each other's tables and that's what we'll do today. Um, uh, so I gotta decide if I can tell this tree joke because I can't remember if I can remember this tree joke. <laughs> A tree is having some hard times and so he goes to his counselor's office and, he's, and he says, "I, you know, the, the fall and the winter, I just, I'm not myself. I don't feel good, and the the counselor says, oh, what, what is it? I don't know. I just get anxious. I just, I'm not I'm not all there. I don't feel right." <laughs> the counselor says, "Well, what about spring? How do you feel in the spring? Relieved." did it. You gotta be a dad to tell that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Just felt you. I felt you, Mark. I, f- I felt you. <laughs> we have lived in this chronic state of anxiety for a long time, you know? Um, the whole series of messages that we're doing right now on wisdom, we're about halfway through, we're almost halfway through. It's come out of my own prayers and searching, searching around the effects of living in an anxious world for this extended amount of time. Chronic anxiety is not good for your brain. And over time, that anxiety and anger and fear begins to change how we respond to the world, and we know this because we see it. You know, on the whole, our, our buying habits have changed. Our, we're, we're self-medicating a lot more. We, we chase after things that will get our blood pumping and our dopamine levels up. That's the chemical that makes you feel good. Do- dopamine is the immediate gratification chemical in our brains. We need some of it, but too much of it and we become addicted to the feeling and we start to chase it and that's where all the bad decisions live. In my other life, we used to talk about bad decisions in a glass. (laughs) We don't even need the glass anymore to make bad decisions. Some of us are allowing the wrong voices to make our choices for us, so this series of messages is meant as, as more than just a good word study on wisdom in the Bible. I have a real hope that we will be moved to explore the root of our choices. So are we allowing the wrong voices to make our decisions for us? Have we surrendered our minds to Christ? Do you, think about this. In Deuteronomy 6, the most powerful verse in all of the Old Testament is the Shema. You shall, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the Old Testament, sort of, that's the great commandment. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, uh, your, your heart and your soul and your mind. Jesus adds the word mind to the greatest commandment. So what do you think God thinks about your brain? Does he care about it? Have he added it to the most important commandment, do you think God cares about your brain? So should we be thinking a little bit more about our brains? Are we willing to be transformed, as Paul said, by the renewing of our minds? To love God with all of our minds? My own prayer as we walk through this series is that we will find a fresh hunger to pray for the wisdom of God to transform us so we can seek healing for patterns of thinking that have not served us well. Can I get an amen from the one person in the room who hasn't? I know the rest of you are great, but there's somebody here whose patterns of thinking have not served you well. (laughs) So this morning, we're gonna go all the way back to creation so we can understand how we were designed and where wisdom begins. This is where Solomon takes us in Proverbs chapter eight. So if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter eight. If you need a Bible and you want one, you can just raise your hand and someone will bring you a Bible right now. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. Somebody will bring you one. And We got one person who needs a Bible right here. Great, thank you. So we're going to be in, in, in Proverbs chapter eight. The, um, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, the young king who prayed for wisdom and understanding so he could sift between right and wrong and lead his people well. Pro, uh, Solomon wrote three books, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. The book of Proverbs is a, is a lot of advice from a father to his son about how to honor God and others, how to live well and obediently, how to, how to breed goodness and justice into your life. It's all about wisdom, the whole thing. And there's a huge connection in this book, especially in Proverbs chapter 8, but, uh, to the creation story. And so Proverbs chapter uh, 8, verses 1 and 2 begin with this these two questions, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? And the answer is yes. <laughs> you may not be making great choices, but wisdom is screaming at you all the time. Wisdom is trying to get up above the, the noise so, so, so you can hear the voice of God. Wisdom has been, has been with us since creation itself. It's been raising its voice since the fall, which is Genesis chapter 3. So barely into the Bible, and we were, he was already yelling. Paul says in Romans that creation has been subject to frustration. That resonates, doesn't it? We are frustrated we know the world isn't right. We want something different than what we have. We, we want work that doesn't feel like drudgery. We want relationships that don't feel strained. We want air that isn't polluted and bodies that don't suffer with diseases. We want a world without flu and without cancer and without death and without tears and without pain. And Paul says it really well in Romans 8 that it's almost like the whole of creation is groaning towards something better. He says the whole of creation is groaning, and you're groaning too. And this groaning we have, this cry we are hearing is the cry of wisdom telling us we were created for better. So look at Proverbs 8, chapter, sorry, verse 4. To you, O oh people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. I want you to underline that word prudence. It's sort of an old-fashioned word, but, but Solomon likes it. And it's got, a, it's got a good meaning. We'll come back to it. You are simple, gain prudence. You are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge instead of choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. There's an old worship song. Do you remember this? My old worship song, people? (laughs) Like you've been doing worship songs a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing I desire compares with you. I exalt you. Yeah. Turns out that's actually wisdom who is saying that. I wisdom. Well, together with prudence. Underline it again. He says it twice. He wants you to be prudent, not prude. Prudent. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance. Evil behavior and perverse speech, counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight and power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. In other words, this isn't something you can't have or that's just for them, for the few and and the brilliant, not for the rest of us, if you seek it, you can have it. I'm hoping you get such a hunger to wake up every day, to go to bed every night before every decision to start asking, begging, God, give me the mind of Christ. I'm starving for wisdom. Please don't let me make another bad decision in a glass, God. Or out of a glass. Please God. Solomon is personified. He has personified wisdom in this chapter. He's made it appear like someone is having a conversation with us. So we'll make the connect, connection, listen, so we will make the connection that wisdom is only wisdom when it is lived out in community. You don't necessarily have to be wise, stupid, foolish or anything if you're on an island by yourself, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> do you remember that old joke about the the person who finds the guy who's been stranded on the um he's been stranded on an island for a long time. The guy goes and says, he sees three places, three little huts the guy has built. The guy's been there for his, the whole time by himself. And, and he, so he asks him, what are these three huts for? And he says, well, the first one is my house. That's my house right there. And this is my church. And um, so the guy says, well, what about the third one? Well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be wise on an island by yourself. Wisdom is shown in Community. Wisdom is right, true, just, not perverse or crooked. It hates pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Wisdom is knowledge, but more than that, it's counsel and sound judgment, insight and power. Pete Scazzaro, who, who's written a bunch of stuff on, on healthy spirituality, you should look him up. He's got all whole website devoted to healthy spirituality and emotional health. And he puts this conversation in Proverbs on a wise and foolish scale. So kind of put on, uh, down there on this end is, is mockery. Um, he actually defines three categories of people mentioned in pro- Proverbs. The mockers, that would be this end, the foolish in the middle, and the wise. So at the low end of the scale are the mockers. These, these people are mentioned 17 times in the book of Proverbs. These are the proud boys, <laughs> Shameless, full of themselves. Right answer to everything. They, have, they do not have teachable spirits. That kind of breaks my heart when I say that. They're takers, not givers. They're fine with you as long as you're willing to do it the way they want it done. So if those folks are a one on the foolish scale, then, then, then fools, Proverbs often calls these folks simple are in the middle of the spectrum. They're actually not the worst. They're they're mentioned 65 times in the book of Proverbs, which means there's a lot of them. (laughs) Or maybe I should say there are a lot of us. (laughs) Not all the time, but come on, friends. We have the capacity within ourselves to be foolish. And of course, we don't want to hear that. We might think there are a lot of fools in the world, eyes up front, don't look at them right now. We might think there's a lot of them in the world, but they're not us, right? Solomon would say, (laughs) that's what Solomon would say. (laughs) He would say that most of us are too easily influenced, too quick to go along with things we haven't thought through. We're the ones who have, who we're the ones, the one-click button on Amazon, we're the ones that was made for. <laughs> That's why it's so successful. We're naive and impulsive and impatient. It's a defining trait of Solomon's foolish category, impatience. And Paul says love is, mm-hmm. Solomon's fools are the ones who jump in too quickly, stay too long, neglect to ask the hard questions, and find themselves in situations they did not mean to be in, feeling like victims. And in a strange way, we sort of are. We are victims of our own fallen brains. So I want to bring Austin Shively up here. Austin, if you'll come. Austin has degrees in both psychology and, and, and he has a master's in counselor education. He works as a therapist, um, specializing in anxiety. And he and I were talking last week about how our literal brains, what's, what's, what's been given us in creation to discern and interpret the world around us, how our brains factor into this conversation. So if we're gonna talk about creation, I think we need to talk a minute about our literal, actual brains. So I invited a smart man to come talk about brains with you. But welcome, Austin Shively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You even got a poster person over here, Austin, Austin. That is awesome. I really like talking to somebody who's just stepping into this whole career of caring for people's brains. That is a blessing to me. So thank you for being willing, Austin. So let's start with um, how our brains are designed to work. Um, in simplest term, what happens at the back of your brain, in the middle of your brain, and at the front of your brain?
1: That is a great question. Uh, and so the easiest answer I can give is... Hold it all the way up to your mouth. All the way up. There you go. So the, the easiest answer I can give is that the brain is the input and the output. The yeah. process, what's going on around you, what you're visually receiving, what you're hearing, and what that will do is you'll go to a quick interpretation, a feeling, of then an action. And yeah. so it's a simple cycle, right? It uh, should be easy to master that, but no. <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully, God wonderfully created us. We have w- multiple parts of our brain that have specific jobs. So the yeah. front, that's where your critical thinking is. That's where your higher-level thought, your abstract, deep conversations, your managing your social relationships, all those kind of challenging, like, how do I choose my words here? That's where you're flexing that one. Uh, that's where our feet need to be set on the ground, and ironically, that's the last part of the brain to develop. <laughs> uh, it develops so uh, yeah, it develops around the age 25, theoretically, is when you're supposed to fully develop. Uh, so that's the thinking part. And then towards the middle, there's kind of a network of areas that are basically communicating with each other, saying, "Oh gosh, you know, this is happening." Here's how I should feel about this. Mm -hmm. Kind of read and react part. And depending upon what your beliefs are, some things may feel safe or unsafe. And that could be rational or irrational, depending upon maybe what your experiences have been. And which leads us to kind of the back of the brain, which is the first part to develop. And it's the simplest forms of thinking, which are your fear, your anger, and kind of doubt. Um, That's why there's not usually a lot of higher order thought associated with fear, anger, and doubt. It's mostly fight flight kind of freeze that's we've had that since we were cavemen We used to be running around from saber-tooth tigers now our problems are much more nuanced than that so Mm -hmm. you don't always need to bolt from a chair or start swinging but it might look like not going to a social function or um, yeah it could look like many more things today so that's kind of how the kind of front-to-back works but they're all working together thankfully
0: so just hearing you say that, it's amazing to me how, how many of my decisions are made back here. When mm-hmm. I think, when I listen to you, I mm-hmm. think, wow, how often have I done that knee-jerk, protect myself, mm-hmm. shut down, get away from everything. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm over 25. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> but my brain isn't. Evidently. So, how does, how does, and, and I, I want to say something too for people in the room who are under 25. I, w- I hope that you hear that this, there's, some, there's some grace in that. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody is expecting you to do everything perfect before you're able to think and and i mean and use all the parts of your brain right absolutely
1: and even past 25 of course no one manages their emotions perfectly their thoughts perfectly or their actions so and and that's why people are always like you're young you'll learn that's like not everyone's saying your brain will develop but on some level there (laughs) is some grace there and when you're young in that age, that's what—that's ah. why you're still trying to find your identity and all those things. You're getting your feet under you. Yeah,
0: so thank God for grace. Yes. Thank God yes. for grace. So let's talk about anxiety. Mm. How does how does fear or anxiety impact how we make decisions? I think you said a little bit about that. Yeah. But, but what happens exactly to our brains when we're anxious or afraid?
1: So when you're anxious, you're probably not taking full breaths. Uh, you're mm. probably not getting enough oxygen into your bloodstream, which means not enough oxygen is getting up here. So... Mm. Again, talking about your feet set, I'll say that a million times, but that's kind of what I think of. Your mm-hmm. brain's you got some oxygen-rich blood flowing to wherever you, you need. Uh, but when anxiety comes into there, your brain each day is making a million decisions. Can I do this? Can I not do this? Can I open this door? Can I drive to work? All these things, most of the time, unconsciously, will say, yeah, we, I can handle this, I can handle this. and really never goes past into conscious thought. Uh, But your brain also makes a lot of no decisions. Uh, If your brain Mm. interprets, I don't have the capacity to handle this, Mm -hmm. even like the... Even like uh maybe you're feeling socially anxious. You don't want to go. You just want to hang in. Mm-hmm. I can't handle this. I'm not going to go. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say I'm not going to go. I'm just going to put the phone down and <laughs> turn the TV on. You know. <laughs> that's that's whenever. Uh, get here. Uh, that's where
0: passive aggression comes from. Mm. There it is. Thank you. <laughs>
1: and, and when that's happening, not enough oxygen is getting to the brain. You're not thinking fully because you're thinking back here. You're in the primal thoughts. You're yeah. in you're in fear. You're in you're in you're in anxiety. And yeah. so. If you're constantly in that state, you're probably not going to be engaging in a lot of high-level thinking and really articulating how you're communicating, so you're letting the emotion make the decision yeah. instead of your thoughts.
0: So it seems to me that if, if th- that the trick, because your emotions are going to make your decisions sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to feel threatened sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's just going to happen and it's not like the world is all of a sudden going to make sense, perfect sense if you understand how your brain works, Absolutely. right? But b- so, the, so, the, so the key is in having some core beliefs mm-hmm. that you can default to yeah. when yeah. your emotions are trying to make your decisions for you. Because emotions can't make decisions, right? Yeah, that's right. That's r- so thinking makes decisions, not emotions. Yeah. But how do, you, how do core beliefs then slot into that equation?
1: Your core beliefs, if you think about your experience like your boat on the water, your core beliefs are your anchors. Otherwise, be, if you're ruled by emotion, you might look like a different person each day or (laughs) week to week you know i got got a cool austin today or like he was kind of anxious today (laughs) Uh, but your core beliefs are just your opinion of yourself your opinion of god who who god created you to be what you're capable of what you can handle what you can manage and Your emotions are wonderful. God gave them to us for a reason to give us a compass for our experience and our feelings So as things happen as people say things to you or do things to you. You'll be like, oh, that felt great I'm gonna go to that person more or Mm -hmm. that hurt. I'm gonna move away from that person Mm -hmm. But what may hurt may look differently to all of us Mm -hmm. Hence the whole hard part of talking to people thing
0: so so Paul says be transformed by the renewing of our minds Mm -hmm. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So that feels to me like what he's asking us to do I- is to actually change the way we think about all the things we encounter every day. What does that look like, practically speaking?
1: Well, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> to, to, think, to stick with the compass analogy, right? So, mm-hmm. in the same way, when you touch a hot stove, physically, your nerves send a message to your brain oh, pull that off. And in the same way, emotionally, we experience that. Uh, But to renew that is to identify why you feel the way you feel. Because thought comes before emotion. Even if the interpretation is lightning quick, there is an interpretation there. And what we need to figure out are what are those habitual interpretations that are not healthy, that are not rational. And if you feel like, why do I feel this way? There's probably some pattern of thought there that's just beneath the surface. So to renew that mind, renewal starts with expression. Even if it's just self-expression, if you're writing it down, talking to yourself, like, I'm giving myself pep talks in the car in the mirror between <laughs> sessions sometimes, <laughs> where I'm like, you can do this, you made it here. <laughs> and so when you start to express, and even more so when you express to others, uh, it doesn't have to be a counselor, it can be anyone, uh, when you can articulate things and start to share them, you can hear and you can... Oh, wait, when you say that out loud, when you, when you hold it up to the light, it's not as powerful. Fear uh, yeah. and anxiety thrive in the basement, in the dark yeah. and in the damp. When yeah. they're put out in the light where someone can challenge them or you can challenge them, that's where, the, that's where renewal starts, that's especially really if do. you're talking to someone that's going to yeah. be grounded in the fruits of the Spirit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I really loved what you talked about in the fruits of the Spirit. And, and when we were talking a uh, c- couple days ago, um, you were talking about that you, s- you said... Habits can be formed just like habits can, you know, bad habits can be formed. You can also form good habits. Mm-hmm. Bridges can be burned. Bridges can also be built. Mm-hmm. And and the bridge we're trying to build is is on the fruits of the Spirit, yeah. right? Yeah, those, yeah. W- those can be
1: your tether points. I mean, they were given yeah. to us for a very specific reason. We have the Holy Spirit within us for a very specific reason to orient that. That should be the electromagnetic field for that compass of experience. <laughs> so so
0: say that again.
1: So the Holy Spirit, <laughs> if your compass is... Is grounded in electromagnetic field ours is the Holy Spirit yeah that's where God has given us the ability to point in the right direction to be able to discern our experiences to be of God mm-hmm. or to to be of the world
0: yeah yeah so true north is always going to be so
1: true north is grounded is,
0: is, is toward the Holy Spirit and the f- you'll know you're there mm-hmm. when the fruit of the Spirit show up in mm-hmm. your life love joy peace patience mm-hmm. kindness and all that so <laughs> So when the Bible tells us to love the Lord our God with all our minds, how do you interpret that, given your experience as a counselor?
1: This is a good question as well. <laughs> uh, as, as far as loving the Lord your God with y- all of your mind, and, and what that looks like to me is it starts with that expression, and it starts with the confidence that God can handle that dark place, yeah. that he can handle those dark yeah. thoughts, that you are capable of handling your emotions. God yeah. created you to ma- be able to do that. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. And so it, it starts with challenging yourself and identifying those fruits of the spirit, identifying that pattern of thought. If you have the same thought all day? You can think on it for 24 hours straight Would there be any productivity from it. But uh-huh. The answer is no. That thought is not likely one that God wants you to dwell on. It's one that he would want you to feel empowered to challenge. Yeah. And so yeah. not being afraid. And we always talk about like, yeah, I'm, I'm saved, but don't touch this part. Mm -hmm. and it can feel like that with with my thinking I I feel that way or I'm like yeah I feel like I'm really centered in the Holy Spirit I'm not distracting myself I'm not taking pleasure from avoidance Mm -hmm. except for this part here Mm -hmm. I know I'm still a little scared so yeah to 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 do that looks like yeah examining them and and letting the Holy Spirit in
0: yeah so loving the Lord your God with all your mind Mm -hmm. means taking care of your brain Mm -hmm. it means giving him access to it asking Mm -hmm. him to heal that the same way you would ask him to heal any other part of you absolutely absolutely i'll give austin a hand thank you very much i appreciate it so much so i wanted you to hear that conversation uh so we can hear that the state of our minds contributes to our foolishness. And maybe what I'm really saying is, all of the foolishness is not somebody else's fault. (laughs) Fools tend to misuse, and and fools, that word, it's a pretty strong word, right? But this is the word Solomon's given us to work with, simple or foolish, take your pick. Uh, We tend to misuse our emotions, underuse patience, we don't ask hard questions or think things through. We tend toward the short-term, short, short term, toward quick fixes, toward knee-jerk responses. That's, that's the middle of the scale. Put that scale back up there. Yeah, that's the middle of the scale. So what about the other end of the scale? If mockers are on one end and the foolish are most of us, then what about the wise? On the scale of one to 10, they'd be a 10. Wise people are mentioned at least 50 times in the book of Proverbs. So so we know we can get there. There are wise people in the world. And prudence is the word Solomon likes to use to talk about how wise people live. Proverbs 8.12 says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. Wise people act prudently. Wise people, excuse me, prudent people know how to think ahead. They don't let fear or anxiety jerk them into a quick fix. They'll later regret. The the prudent give thought to their steps and have an eye for how their decisions impact others. Psalm 14.8 says, The the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. They give time for the long-term implications of their decisions so that the long-term implications can rise to the surface. Remember what what Austin said, we tend to kick back to survival mode when something comes at us that's uncomfortable. But if we'll give ourselves a little space, if we'll step back and listen, we can actually work our way back up to where our, you know, the, the place he called it critical thinking lives up here. They also say that faith lives in the front. The scientists call this the God center. So wisdom breeds prudence and prudence breeds patience. You should write that down. Wisdom breeds prudence and prudence breeds patience. Psalm 19.2 says it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, to be hasty and miss the way. Prudence, wisdom is God's goal for every follower of Jesus. So God has an interest in seeing us make progress on the wise, foolish scale, (laughs) to move on from the category of fools to the category of wise. Wisdom is something we're to grow into and in Solomon's Proverbs, prudence is a way of living into wisdom and this is our design. That's huge, this is our design. So so Solomon now, he connects wisdom to creation. I want you to look at verse 22. The Lord brought, brought me forth as the first of his works. He's talking about this is wisdom speaking, the personification of God's mind, the mind of Christ. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I, gave, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out on the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the crowd, clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight. I want you to underline that word. And maybe in the margin, I want you to write the word Eden. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting under that. Uh, underline that delighting in mankind wisdom was having a blast at creation (laughs) which is to say that the spirit of God was having fun when this all got started come on friends come on my anxious friends let's look like we're having fun right now we're a little plot of the kingdom right here Wisdom was having a blast when this got started. He delighted in the whole world and in us. God delighted in us. Delights in us. Turn and tell somebody next to you. Turn and say to them, God delights in you. Tell them right now, God delights in you. And this is what we crave, right? To know that God delights in us. That. that Paul tells us in Romans 8, our world and our spirits are yearning for this. So that groaning, that yearning, that longing you have inside of you for something more, for delight, for sheer, pure delight, that is your spirit living out Romans 8 with the rest of creation. We are designed for good. In fact, we are designed for delight And we long to live out that design. We long for biblical delight. You should write that down. Start crying out for that. I long, God, for biblical delight. I am, Lord, I am asking for the death of drama in my life and for the birth of delight. In fact, the word Eden in Hebrew, listen to this, this is so cool, literally means delight. That's the word, it means pleasure or delight. That was the original design. Genesis 2 tells us the Lord God planted a garden in delight, in Eden. In the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is present to the sight. There were no anxious trees in the Garden of Eden. (sighs) He made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was right in the middle of the garden. And the tree, listen to this, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was also there and God told the first humans don't eat from that second tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in other words the experience of both good and evil knowing the whole range of pleasure and sin it will it will move you it will remove you from delight because it's idolatry I've got a little time because we only have one service today. I just want to tell you that years ago, this is like in the middle of the 90s. I should have heard this when it, was, when it happened. I should have heard this when it happened. The United Methodist Church had a conference for women, and they called it the Sophia Conference. And they, they um, actually worshiped in their liturgy during that conference. They worshiped wisdom. They made an idol out of wisdom, and they worshiped her. Do you hear me? This is not what we're after in this conversation. When God says, when when Paul says, be, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, he's not saying, I want you to get so smart that you think you are all that. He's not asking you to make an idol out of your reasoning ability. What Paul is after is is, is that that your mind would become so completely obedient to the will and purposes of God that you begin to get a glimpse of delight, his delight in you, his delight over this world, that's why we don't want anything messing with our minds. That's why we don't want to. We want to be completely sober, because we don't want anything to get between us and delight. Right? We want our brain to have free reign in in uh, in, in the in the Garden of Eden. We want our brains to to have uh, to have to have ultimate, complete obedience to the will and purposes of God. Anything else is idolatry. Whatever gives you a rush, whatever stimulates your pleasure centers, whatever those knee-jerk things are, that you that the one clicks, it's idolatry. Solomon called it Hevel, a terminal dissatisfaction with life that feels like vapor and smoke. The delight of Eden is gone. So we turn in on ourselves and create our own meaning. We turn chokmah, which is wisdom into hevel, wisdom into vapor. Solomon says it's death. That's death. On a scale of one to ten, that's a one. The mockery of God. So we've learned as we've talked about wisdom that wisdom is knowing that I don't know what I don't know. The sin is in thinking that I can know it all. And that temptation to believe I can be like God in that way, that I don't have to sit humbly beneath the mysteries, that I can know it all, have it all, that I can manage my own pleasures and somehow escape the consequences of temptation without obedience to the mind of Christ, that's a delusion, that's a lie. I need an amen from those who have lived this, who have said to yourself, I can quit whenever I want. I don't need it, I just like it. No one is hurt because nobody even knows. If I'm happy, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) He said as he handed his beer. (laughs) Wisdom, or the lack of it, is proven in the response. You should write that down. Amen. Wisdom is proven in the response. In the response of the first humans to their own foolishness, actually mocking God, assuming they could be like him, that they could handle their own temptations. Their response and the response of every human sense was both fight, excuse me, was both fright and flight. They became scared of God, which is the mirror opposite of the biblical fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is proper respect for and humility in the presence of perfect love. Fear from God is dis-ease and distrust. So they ran. And we've been running ever since. This is the fallen response that has been bred into us. We do dumb things and then want to distance ourselves from God for fear of what he might do, that he might crush us. And now in Proverbs 8, all of that backstory floods back in. All of the whole backstory of creation floods back in. And wisdom itself, the thing we chased, comes to talk to us, sits us down, talks to us, and tells us how to get back to the other side, to the, to the delight side of Genesis 3. Wisdom itself speaks to us and says, We all stand before that tree. The same one we've been dealing with since creation with our own choice to make. Will you choose life or do you think you can handle it all yourself? Will I worship my right to know, to to do and be what I want, when I want, how I want or will I worship the one who is the way, the truth and the life? That's where wisdom begins. It begins standing between those two trees. Finding our place within the story of God. Understanding that what God has been doing from the beginning of time, God is doing in my life right now. And he is calling me to operate within the purposes of God and to have a a fear of the Lord that breeds delight. So Paul could say, do not conform anymore to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do you do that? First, learn to listen for the voice of God. That's, that's the big one right there look at verse Proverbs 38 verse 32 and 33 he says now, now then my children listen to me underline that word blessed are those who keep my ways listen he says it twice listen to my instruction and be wise do not disregard it how many parents come on how many times do you have to say listen before they actually listen <sighs> it's probably more than two he's being kind to you right now <laughs> I said listen, listen to my instruction. Learn to listen for the voice of God. I am convinced this is the difference between wisdom and foolishness. It is learning to know the voice of God and the way that the Lord speaks to you will be different than the way the Lord speaks to me. It won't, be, it won't be contradicting, God doesn't do that, but it will be different in the same way that you speak to your children differently, right? <laughs> Some children you can say listen once and I want Claire Marie when she was a little girl. I could stand across the, the, the playground and just do this. When I got to here, she was there. Didn't take three. It never. And I never had to say anything. Her little girl, Emmy Joe, does not know how to count, evidently. <laughs> we speak to our children differently. Learn the voice of God in your life. So how do you do that? Well, 101 is know the Bible. Know the Word of God. Because no nothing He says to you will ever contradict this. Amen. Nothing will ever contradict this. Amen. So when you know the Word of God, it helps a whole lot to understand and interpret the voice of God. Blessed are those, He says, uh, Saul, uh, Proverbs 8 Blessed are those who keep my ways Of course you, kn- you have to know his ways Before you can keep them It goes back to Austin's word about core values the, 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 the word of God Is our source of wisdom This this is our core values Right here And to the extent that I am Fully immersed in this And to the extent that I am Fully committed to obeying God At any moment Then I can actually Uh, let the word of God make my decisions for me in times when my emotions want to make a decision otherwise. And then the third thing is this, learn to be still before God. In other words, be before you do, please. (laughs) I mean, that's how you get from the back of your brain to the front of your brain. Somewhere you gotta step back. Proverbs 8.35 says, uh, sorry, verse 34 says, blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Silence, and s- silence. Uh, speech, Pete Scazzaro, I can't even say it. Pete Scazzaro says this. I can't, obviously. But he says this, that silence and stillness are the key to prudence. It's about retraining your brain to focus on, listen for, learn the voice of God and the payoff to spiritual discipline knowing the word of God, learning to be still before him. That is delight. That's the payoff. Those who find me will find life and receive favor from the Lord, 835. So I'm going to let the kids come in right now. We're just going to take a minute to let them find their place. I want to... Um We're really glad to have you with us, boys and girls. We're really glad to have you with us. Your brains are still pure. <laughs> <laughs> we needed a few of you in the house right now. It's really good to be have you in the house, children. The kids from Kids oh ki- the Kids, the team from Kids City. They're not kids, but they're kids at heart. <laughs> the team from Kids City is gonna serve communion for us today. So um I just want you as you um Come and receive communion from them today That, that you would just um, uh, Find yourself very grateful For the people who care spiritually for our kids She received receive communion We may live on this side of Genesis 3 On the fallen side But we do not live on the fallen side Sorry, sorry No, let me say it this way We may live on this side of Genesis 3, the fallen side, but we also live, we also live on this side of the resurrection. (laughs) The same word that was with God in the beginning was also on the cross and walked out of an empty tomb. That same word is with us now. The word that spoke this world into being. That Solomon celebrated in Proverbs 8. That word stands ready to speak life, to speak delight into our world today. That word stands ready to renew your mind. I mean, that word stands ready to do a miracle in your life. To heal your brain. To heal your brain which has been washed with some bad chemicals in the last couple or three years. It is now kind of living in a chronic anxiety or chronic grief or or chronic recovery, that word stands ready to do a miracle in your brain and in your life. So the fall, as devastating as it was, doesn't get the last word over our brains. And the fall, as devastating as it was, does not get the last word over our souls. Jesus does. Jesus becomes the curse. Jesus becomes the curse for the sake of us and because of us. He drinks the cup for the judgment of all humanity. Even though he didn't deserve it. And For everything that was broken in your life, everything. That is broken. He comes ready to restore. His body broken so you can be whole. His blood poured out so you can have life. He didn't deserve it, but he did it because he delights in you. And he reconciles the world to himself. He defeats the devil and reveals something profound about the Father. And that is the Father's pure heart of love for you. You are loved. You are loved. So God, I ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit over these gifts and make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ. We stand before this mystery, God. And we, I don't get it. I don't get how the sacrifice, one sacrifice can be for all time. I don't get that mystery. I can't pretend to wrap my brain around things that are so big. But I can thank you for that mystery, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. I can trust that you will pour out your Holy Spirit over these gifts, and that in some way that I can't understand, you will make them be for us the very body and blood of Christ. So I can be, so these people can be, so we can be the body of Christ for a lost and hurting world. God, as we take these elements today, I'm asking that you would renew our minds. God, give us a grace such a grace to receive your renewing restoring rewiring spirit give us your wisdom give us the mind of christ we want to delight lord we want to delight in this life give us the mind of christ we love you jesus we honor and worship you God's people say, amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.